Iconic makeup artist. Beauty industry revolutionary. Entrepreneur. Bobby Brown is all these things and so much more. Throughout her career, she has crossed paths with some of the most accomplished people at the top of their field. These conversations are a look into their inspiring lives because everyone has a story. This is Long Story Short with Bobby Brown. Allie Webb is a true rock star. She not only is this really cool, funny girl, but she had this idea, a simple idea that she brought to fruition that women like to have their hair blown. It's simple. Men don't get it. We like to have our hair blown. She started with a simple idea that she could do a few women in one day, and all of a sudden, there is a dry bar in many, many states where you can make an appointment, go in, and in 30 minutes have the most amazing blowout experience, and you could do it again the next day and the next day. She's the founder of the multi-million dollar beauty chain Dry Bar, where they specialize in personal blowouts. In just seven short years, this mother of two has gone from driving her 2001 Nissan Xterra around L.A. to building over 100 stores across every state in the U.S., along with an in-house product line that sold in-store, online, and at Nordstrom and Sephora. And she started all of this while her boys were still in diapers. Dry Bar is now a hundred-plus million-dollar business that has garnered her accolades, including... 2014 CEW Achiever Award, Fortune's 40 Under 40, Marie Claire's 16 Most Fascinating Women, Cosmopolitan's 2013 Power List, and Fast Company's 100 of the Most Creative People in Business, just to name a few. Please welcome Allie Webb. Hi, Allie. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. I am... We didn't really officially meet, but we've met at some of these different industry things. I was there when you got your CEW award in 2014. Wow. I remember being there. That was some time ago. Yeah. I feel like our paths have crossed. And I know you go into dry bar a lot. Uh, A lot, yes. I go into dry bar a lot. I would go into dry bar more if there was one in Montclair, New Jersey. (laughs) Just saying. Little pitch. Yeah, little little pitch. Little plug for Montclair. I mean, I would not. Working on Soul Cycle, too. I wouldn't be surprised if we ended up there. I I know that's a great area. It is. It is. So I have so many questions because we've never really had a one-on-one. No. And your story is quite something. And Thank you're you. so <laughs> like normal, simple, and humble, which I Thank think you. is awesome. Thank so you. first of all, congrats on that. Thank you. Likewise, it's an honor to be interviewed by you. You're like the queen. Well, you know, it's some, it, there's something amazing about, you know, having other women that are like-minded and have, you know, not only founded companies, grown companies, but also our moms. Yeah. It's it's a thing. And when I did it years ago, I was an, the only one I knew. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you're a pioneer for yeah. all of us. Yeah. So thank you. Oh, well, you're welcome. You're <laughs> welcome. And and you have boys? I have two boys. Yes. I have three boys. <laughs> Luckily, I Isn't that funny? In. We're in like the most yeah. female-centric businesses and we yeah. don't have girls. And I almost considered going for a third for a girl, but well, I can cons- enough. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I love my third boy, but you know, I thought, oh, I'll just have a girl. No. <laughs> Although I have to say that boys, and you obviously you know this, they like they really love their moms. Like yeah. I, it's like a love affair with my kids. So, and, well, how old are you? Well, kids? there's only eleven and thirteen. Okay, I know it's gonna okay. change. Don't tell me it's gonna change. No, no, no. My mom always said at age ten, my son who's now thirteen, like he would be like. 
that'd be it. But it's still a love affair. Aww. So, you know, well, still I'm holding s- in there. I'm super close to my kids now. Yeah. There were definitely those moments when they were going through something. I was going through something. How old are they? 28, 26, and 20. Yeah, so. I can imagine. Yeah, and they all, you know, they're all part of everything I do. Like one of them, you know, is the strategic businessman. One of them is the marketing guy. One is the creative guy. So they see everything. Mom, that's really cool. Mom, that's really dumb. Yeah. You know, they're good at that. Oh, I get that too. Yeah, so. Just um, on a daily basis. But I want to go back. Where did you grow up? I grew up in South Florida in Boca Raton. Uh-huh. I was born in New York in Long Island, but was just a baby, so I don't know it at all. And then we, we lived in Atlanta for a little while, but I spent the majority of my childhood in, in Florida. And you have one sibling? My older brother. Your older brother. Michael. And yeah. your parents, what did they do when you were young? Uh, my Well, they my dad's dad had his own business clothing in the clothing world. Um, and my mom... To, had a much more traditional path. She went, you know, to college. She actually wanted to be a teacher, but she didn't end up doing that. And she was just kind of always worked for other people. And my dad kind of had more of the entrepreneurial spirit. And his dad was an entrepreneur. So they actually, when we were younger, they opened a business called Flips, which was like the, like a schmata, if you know that term. Yeah, of course I do. Not everybody does, but like yeah. that older lady clothing store they opened in uh, South Florida, where we were growing up, and and actually it was quite innovative because up until that point, like older women really only had, you know, kind of the only place they could shop was like a department store, right. and they opened up Flips was my dad's nickname. That was the name of the store in these like little like shopping centers where like next to retirement communities, right? right. The little trolley would take the Aww. women over. And there was like a bagel shop and the grocery store and the hair salon, and they opened Flips in Flips there. Flips was before QVC, I guess, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, I don't. Oh, maybe QVC existed, but they're, you know, they would shop. And then my dad, which is really where we learned customer service, my dad would set up a bunch of chairs in the front of the stores and he'd bring bagels and coffee and orange juice and newspapers to the to the old men who were sitting there waiting for their wives while they shop because if they were happy and patient and content, yeah. they would let their wives shop longer. And so that was his like philosophy and they did and that they were very successful my dad was like the mayor of these shopping centers it was oh, really so funny fun. well i most of the things i learned about business i learned from papa sam who was a cadillac dealer and yeah. he used to send brochures out with his picture and then he put his grandchildren on the picture it's so amazing yeah it amazing Wait, i feel like learned. i definitely got an education yeah in entrepreneurship from my dad and customer service Aww. and how to deal with all of that oh, and where did you go to college I didn't go to college. You didn't go to college. No. So. I, well, I went for a minute. Okay. Um, after high school, I was very lost and didn't know what I wanted to do. And I went to Florida State, but I didn't go to very many classes. And I was like, this is not for me. And then I moved to New York City when I was like 18. And I wanted to work in fashion. I did work for Cynthia so Raleigh. Wait, wait, so you, yep. moved, you f- went to New York and how did you support yourself? Where'd you live? Well, I I didn't really know anybody. My par- I think my parents kind of felt like because I wasn't spending money on college, they would support me okay. in New York. But I mean, it was very, I wasn't like living a lavish life right. by any yeah. means. You know, I think I knew like one or two people here and lived in like, a, I found a roommate, lived in a teeny tiny apartment. Um, and I was just, they were, they were basically supporting me and I got a job and I was like, I just, I just like couldn't get to New York fast enough. As a kid, our, my parents took us to New York a lot. So I just fell in love with it. And similar to how when I take my kids now to the city, they just, their eyes are so big and they love it so much. And that's how I was. And I couldn't get here fast enough and just figured I would figure it out. So what was your first job? In New York, um, my, I, my, I was working for, gosh, what was my first job? I worked, um, 
Well, I worked for Nicole Miller for a little while and I worked um, in the Cynthia Raleigh showroom as like a receptionist. So that's when I was really trying to get into the fashion world and thought that's what I wanted to do with my life. And and that was kind of short-lived and I – but I, my brother was also working for Nicole Miller in her corporate office. I was working in the Soho store, which is no longer there. Um, but then my brother and I decided to move back to – South Florida and opened up Nicole Miller boutiques. So we opened one in Boca and one in Miami. And that was not exactly what I wanted to be doing. And I was like in my mid or early 20s at this time and running. I was, you know, if you've, if you've spent any time in Florida, you know, Miami and Boca are like, it's, it's, even though it's not that far, it's a bitch of a drive. And so I was basically managing these two stores by myself and kind of with my brother, we were fighting a lot. It just wasn't the right thing. And that's actually when I decided to go to beauty school was during that time where I was like, what am I doing with my life? I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what I want to be, but this isn't it. You know? Well, how did you decide to go to beauty school? Well, because, you know, to back up, you know, I because I grew up in South Florida and I have naturally curly hair, it was like frizz city my whole life. And, you know, hope Hopefully you wouldn't know it now, but at, you know when I was a kid and my hair was just so unruly and frizzy and I hated it. And I used to beg my mom to blow out my hair, and I was always throughout high school. I was always trying to figure out like how does like how do like the supermodels of our time like Cindy Crawford and and um, Christy Brinkley and their hair was always so like bouncy and beautiful. I was like, how do they do it? How do they get it? And so it was just always this thing that was mystifying to me. And so I always wanted to, and I worked at a hair salon when I, when I was in high school as a receptionist and they used to blow out my hair, which I was like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. And it was just always this thing in me that took me a while to like decide to take the plunge. And I think it was after, you know, my, Michael and I were fighting a lot. I was, you know, running these retail operations, which wasn't what I wanted to do that. I was like, the only thing that I can think of that I really love to do is hair. And I really want to understand and learn how to do it. So I, my brother was actually very supportive. My parents were kind of like, you want to go to beauty school? And they were a little like, look their nose down on it. And they, again, when you think about flips in their business, it was next to these like little old lady beauty parlors. And they're like, that's what you want to do. I was like, no, I'm going to move back to New York and I'm going to do editorial and fashion shows and all of that. Um, and that was kind of my like rough vision of it. But I just knew that was the only and thing I was passionate about. It's not easy. No. I know people that have dropped out of beauty school. Yeah. You have, there's a lot of science. Well, and but it was like I remember like the day I started thinking like I these are my people. This is like my thing. And I loved every second of it. Oh. I mean, there were certainly things about it that like were like I didn't love learning how to do a perm and right. you know I I but I loved learning how to I loved learning about how hair and cutting hair and you know and then I worked while I was in beauty school I worked uh, for an owner of a hair salon a local hair salon and he really taught me everything I know but it was it was just like I was immersed in this hair world that I loved and I was like this is where I'm meant to be and so you graduated and went back to New York I graduated I worked in Boca at you know on the floor in a salon there for a couple of years and then I once I felt like I had like enough experience under my belt I moved to New York and I worked for John Sahag which you may know who he is of course John I used to work with John and he no, cut most my people hair. don't know him oh, yeah. now no he was amazing. he cut your hair oh yeah he cut my hair it was rest in peace it was awful I look like I look like Rod Stewart's younger <laughs> sister sense. well just, but he really never was fell like, in place yeah if he was doing it yeah but it was the 80s. I'll have to find a picture. But it was like... Yeah, he was it amazing. Didn't, it didn't work. But I know what you mean. But he, you know, he was this this crazy, like, 
you know, genius. And if you've seen the movie Shampoo. Yeah. I mean, it was based on him. Yeah, It was? It was, yeah. Huh. It was. Well, I... That's what I heard. My The guy who I worked for in Florida, John Peters, he was a huge fan of John's hog and, and, and turned me on to him. So I... Oh, so wait, you worked with John Peters? Not that John okay, Peters. Okay. And everyone thinks that okay, right. Barbara Streisand, right. which is funny because no. I just saw the movie A Star is Born. Have yeah. you seen that? Yeah. Oh, I know. But I'm like, it's not that John Peters, although my John Peters is yeah. amazing too. But he loved John's hog and was really into dry cutting, which was kind of what John Sahag was known for. And I remember like that was the only salon I wanted to work for because my John had just, you know, talked it up so much. And I used to just be such a fan of John Sahag. And I like remember walking in there and seeing him and just being like, he's the coolest guy ever. And I did get a job as an assistant. And I worked for John's Hog with his tight leather pants. Yeah, and I walked in belts. there in tight yeah. in leather pants yeah. too. I was like, I'm gonna. The only way I'm getting this oh, job yeah. is that I walk oh, in yeah. all leathered so out. You, d- you did your homework. You <laughs> I did. I did, and I got uh, the job, and I loved. Yeah. I loved it. I loved working there. And so, how long did you work there? Not that long. I feel like it was about a year or so. But it was interesting too because I worked kind of closely with John. I mean, I used to have to like walk his greyhounds on Madison uh-huh. Avenue. Oh, wow. Remember his huge dogs? Of course, yeah. Which is a very humbling experience yeah. watching walking like two horse-sized mm-hmm. greyhounds uh-huh. on Madison oh. Avenue. And picking, yeah. and yeah. picking it up. Yeah. But, you know, I paid my dues. And yeah. I I remember telling when I decided to leave and, and like a true 20-ish, you know, g- girl living in New York City, I was like, I think I'm going to do something else now. And I I had a couple of friends who were working at Rogers and Cowan and in PR and they had very, what seemed like glamorous lives. And I was like, I want to work in PR. That sounds fun. I mean, again, just like your parents must have killed you. Yeah. They were like, what are you doing? But I, you know, I was just, I've always been about just kind of following my passion, what I'm excited about. And I just kind of was like a little over it for a minute doing hair. And I remember going to John and I remember this conversation like it was yesterday and saying, I think I'm going to leave. I'm going to pursue this other thing. And he was like, why? You're so good at hair. You should stick with hair. And I was like, yeah, but no, I'm going to move on and try this and just see what else is out there. And I remember him like trying to talk me out of it and just feeling, and I'm, once I make up my mind about things, like I'm a very decisive person. And I was like, I, I appreciate that, but later and that was it and I never really reconnected with him again and it was so sad to me that he didn't see Drybar and what it became yeah. because I know he would have been so proud of oh, me so 100%. I'm always really bummed Aww. that I mean obviously it was just sad that he died but yeah. but sad that he died before he saw yeah. what I did you yeah. know but no he anyways, was special and for those of you guys really don't was. know him he was like the big vogue hairdresser when I was just starting in in you know the freelance world and I remember when I was working there, like every celebrity came in. I remember Julianne Moore was there all the time and I loved her and I was just like, it was the coolest A very place. young Julianne Moore. Because, yeah. Yeah. Know, I mean, this was, was 20 ago. years ago. Yeah. So oh, funny. So cool. But it's nice to talk to somebody who yeah. knows because every once in a while I, I run into someone who knows who John was or right. knew John yeah. and I just have such a special place in my heart for Aww. him. And he was, you know, he really molded me and that yeah. place really molded me because I was doing all the blowouts. Right. <laughs> Which I could kind of see the hip cool factor of dry bar. Okay, so and then you went into the rock and roll world, which it, no, from John I worked Sahag, in music, so right, yeah, but from yeah. John Sahag, cool. So you were like the ultimate cool girl too. Well, yeah, you know, I was trying. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and then I, um, and then I, yeah, I went to work for Rogers and Cowan, and I was, you know, I was, I was always okay with starting from the bottom, and I was an assistant, and then they had like an opening in the music department. I was like, I like music, uh-huh. and I, you know, I, and I was working for. Paul Freundlich and Beth Katz, you know? But anyways, they, but they had amazing clients like Paul McCartney and Janet Jackson and Jennifer Lopez and also a lot of country like Keith Urban, uh, Faith Hill, Tim McGraw. And I was like, 
this is the coolest job uh, ever, you know, getting to be around these people. And I mean, I was their assistant, but I was like very much in these cool things. We would go to LA a lot for stuff. And I was like, this is, it was really fun at that time. And that was, you know, that was basically like my life until I met my husband and we moved to LA and I had babies and And what business is your husband in? Uh, he is, he was in advertising when they, when we met in New York and then moved to San Francisco for a hot second and then LA where he got a great job working in advertising and I became a stay-at-home mom and had two babies. And you, and you were a stay-at-home mom for how long before you had this crazy idea? About five years and okay. it, about, five, you know, and I was like, I couldn't wait to have babies. I mean, mm-hmm. I was like, I had baby on babies on the brain forever. And as soon as uh, I had my, I had my first son and I was like as happy as a clam. I was, felt so lucky. I was able to stay home, stay home, be a stay at home mom. And then I had my second son and it got a little harder. And after five years of being a stay at home mom, I just kind of got that itch to get out and do something for myself again, which I didn't expect because I thought this was like it for me. I was ha- so excited and happy to be a stay at home mom, but I, I missed doing something really for myself because you know from when you have little kids it's like it's so all-encompassing your whole life is their life and I just needed to do something for myself again well my whole life is my kids it always was and I never was a stay-at-home mom oh never I could never be a full-time worker and I could never be a stay-at-home mom because I get bored really easily I get distracted and I just like to try new things yeah so I you know beat that to me it's being an entrepreneur yeah it's like let's keep trying things I totally and I'm and I'm you know like that I think I I, I did like the mommy thing in LA and I loved it. And that was really that kind of foundation and the women I met during that time, those were the women that I kind of marketed to when I decided to start my mobile blow dry business. All right, well, is- so so you're in LA, you're, you've been staying home five years. Yeah. And then one day you're like, I mean, was it just one day or had you no, been No, it was like I it? had been thinking about it and I felt like I was, you know, kind of starved in like talking to adults. And mm-hmm. I felt like I was like, I feel like my brain is like drying up. I feel like I need to like do something with my mind. I was just not feeling like stimulated, you know, even though I love my kids and I was, you know, again, happy and grateful to stay home. I just needed something for me. And that's when I started like thinking about it. And I was exploring other things and I was thinking about maybe going back into a hair salon or, you know, starting some other business. My best friend was starting a um, event planning business and I was kind of helping her, but it just was like, what do I want to do? And that's when I kind of, you know, all of my friends always knew that I was a longtime hairstylist and I would, they would always ask me to do their hair and blow out their hair. And so I, thought maybe I should just start a mobile blow dry business because I could do it on my own terms. I didn't want to go back. I didn't want to go into, back into hair salon. I didn't want to work for and anybody. By the way, who would have even thought of that back then? I know. I know. Right? It was I mean, just it was crazy. just because it was like, here's this great skill I have that I've been honing for so many years. And I felt like there's not a lot of places to go for blowouts. You know, mm-hmm. there just wasn't. And so I was like, maybe I can do this and I can do it on my own terms. I can get out of the house, talk to adults for a while. Yeah, I was. I decided to charge $40 because it was like two twenties and felt mm-hmm. easy. And yeah. and it was just a great way to get out of the house, earn a little extra cash and do something for myself. And that was it. And I came up with the name Straight at Home. And, you know, my husband made me this cute little one-page website. And it was like my first marketing lesson because he was like, if you make the website cute, people will call you. And he was right. And that's what I did. And I posted it on this website called Peachhead, which is like this mommy website in LA. It was it had like 5,000 moms on it. And and sure enough, people started calling me. And they're like, yeah, when can you come over? And all of a sudden I was busy and I was running around LA blow drying all my mommy friends. But the big, 
the, the thing that led to Drybar was when I would say to my clients, I'd have to say no a lot because mm-hmm. there was only one of me and a lot right. of them I was building this big clientele. And driving between places Yeah, driving not from easy. like, you know, I was living in Santa Monica at the time and I was driving to like the Palisades and Brentwood and Beverly Hills and all over the place, which I'm sure I, w- I didn't actually make any money right. during that time because yeah. I was only charging $40 <laughs> and yeah, gas. So... But, you know, when I couldn't go to my client's house, I'd always ask them, like, what do you do when I can't come to you? And the answer was always, well, either I go to my cut and color salon and kind of overpay and have to deal with, like, uh, my stylist wanting to cut or color or do something that they're going to actually make more money at or go to, like, the Fantastic Sam's down the street, which they were, like, say I'd walk in with my big sunglasses and, like, get in and out of there as quickly as possible. And I think that's when the idea really started percolating for me. And I was like, huh, there really is no place for women to go in a – for a great blowout and an affordable price and a beautiful space, it just didn't exist. And that's kind of when the wheel started turning and I went to my brother and was like, I think I should turn my mobile business into a brick and mortar. And he was like, why don't women blow out their own hair? And of course I had to explain to him how that all works and how to... And were you getting along better with him at the time? Yes, because you now were. we had had okay. years apart. Gotcha. We and, and that was, there was a lot of, there was a big come to Jesus conversation right. we had before we decided to partner up again. Because But we had learned so much about what not to do and pushing each other's buttons in those early days with Nicole Miller that we were much we kind of like knew what we were getting into this time, which by the way, yes, our parents were like, are you guys out of your minds? Don't uh-huh. go into business together again. Cause it really almost like broke our relationship. And, and what year was this? So we started dry bar in 2010. So this was probably 2008, 2009 ish that we started talking about it. And it was also like, you know, in the middle of a recession, but I didn't, I didn't, and ignorance is bliss. I wasn't really paying much attention to like what was going on in the world. I was like in my own little world. And I was like, I just really think this will work in LA. You know, I think that because what I was seeing in my mobile business, I was like, we when we started, we were $35, which is almost 10 years ago. We're, we're more now. But I was like, this is an affordable luxury that I think women will do. Not just women who, you know, have always gotten blow, blowouts and figured it out. But I think a lot more women will do this because it's an affordable luxury and you know, women everywhere could potentially partake in it. And that's and, and what happened. Everyone was used to going to get their nails done. Yeah. You know, just going to a place, get nails done and leave. Exactly, exactly. So no one had done it for hair. No one had done it for hair. And it's funny because when you think back to like our grandmothers and our grandmothers, grandmothers generation, they would get their hair like quaffed once a week. And it was like a social thing where they'd see each other at the beauty parlor. And I remember learning and hearing about that a lot because I went to beauty school in South Florida. And I, you know, you part of being in beauty school is that you, you know, you do blowouts for a dollar in the, in the school. And these little old ladies would come in and they would talk to me about that. You know, and they wanted their hair as big as possible. And that was just what they liked. Yeah. And like, they didn't want to have to do it for days, you know? And so that was kind of, I feel like that's what we did with dry bar. We just modernized that behavior and brought it back. And I, I didn't know there were so many unknowns. If there were, would there be enough stylists out there who loved styling hair the way I did? I I loved getting through haircuts when I was working in salons because I, when you did the blowout, that's when it really came to life. And that's when like the client got really excited when she saw her hair like big and beautiful. And so I loved that part. One store. We opened the first one in 2010 with very like, I don't know if this is going to work, you know, middle of a recession. Like, you know, I was like, if we can do like 30 to 40 clients a day, we'll have a viable business, which by the way, 30 to 40 clients a day would be terrible for us now. Yeah. We're, we're like usually around a hundred, right. but in my, in my mind and you know, my brother was really putting all the spreadsheets together to see if there was actually a business here, which, you know, we thought 30 to 40 blowouts a day would be like a nice, 
little business for me and I could still pick up my kids from school. I'd have this little shop in Brentwood and that would be my life. We very severely underestimated the, you know, the demand and the opportunity. And so you got how many people a day? Well, we, well, Brentwood is only eight chairs, but we were averaging like from the get-go more like between 70 and 80 a day. And, you know, now our shops range from eight is very small. We have like 10 to 14 to 16 which I don't love. I like I like a ten chair shop. It feels like the best size to me. But that those shops can generate you know up to a hundred, hundred and fifty clients a day. And if we're really on our game and we have we're fully staffed and everything we need, you know, it can it can go even higher. So from one one salon in Brentwood, then how then how many do you have now? One hundred and ten. One hundred and ten salons, and it's only we're only in two thousand and eighteen. Yeah. So that's not a whole lot of time. It's not a whole, we our our growth has been really quick and really um you know fast because there's just so much demand, and we really we realized that we needed to to move on this and go fast and open as many locations as we could because we not only because there was such a massive opportunity but there was. Like I said, there's so much demand, and we had a lot of like copycats on our tails, and um, I think and you still do, but no one, do. but no, they're not household names, right? They're not. Dry bars like Kleenex, yeah, right. I, know. I need uh, a dry bar. I know okay. it's it, which yeah. is good because we like dry bar as a verb, yeah. except that yeah. a lot of what we, I mean, there's so many things you know this. There's so many things you learn with business, and one of the things is like how much money we needed to spend on you know lawyers and cease and desist and all that because we were get, it was like right and left people were like Sally's dry bar like you can't use you can't, the name dry yeah. bar but it did become it, it has become a household name which gosh I mean is the coolest thing ever but it, it it also comes with its difficulties and how many years were you in business before you hire you must have like a head of education oh yeah because every dry bar I go into I don't care where it is it's the same colors it's the same everything yeah the same photos on the wall and the same yeah. like, technique. Well, that's always, you know, that's been there from the get-go. And even before we started our own product line, I, I never allowed from the very first shop, I never allowed stylists to bring their own stuff. I always supplied it because I wanted every every experience to be very similar and I wanted the stylist to be using the same stuff. And I didn't want it to be like, you know, stylists used to get like very upset that they couldn't bring their own stuff. They couldn't be like their favorite hair dryer, their favorite brush. I'm like, just because I didn't want it to be like, you know, aesthetically a mishmash of like a red dryer yeah. and a blue dryer and all the, the things. And so that was a very strategic decision just for one shop. I just wanted that. And then, yes, I mean, it's a huge part of our our brand and our culture that you can be in New York or LA or DC or Boston or Chicago or wherever and have that same experience. It's never exactly the same. Right. And the stylist what's great about the stylists is they are all unique and they have their own kind of take and flair on all of our styles, but they are very similar. So you know what you're getting. And, and I think clients have come to know and love that they're going to get the same consistency of service. But throughout. even like the menu. Like yeah, it's, everything the it's same. Just, you're like, okay, I want, and it's hard because sometimes some of the stylists don't understand you want that, but not yeah. Big curls. Well, that's kind yeah. of why we created the menu we did right. with lots of different hairstyles and lots of different ways. So you can say, I kind of want to, like, like the Cosmo tie, which is a Cosmo, which is lots of loose curls and a Mai Tai, which right. is messy beachy. We a client, I, clients would say, I want kind of a combination of a Cosmo and a Mai Tai. So we uh -huh. invented the Cosmo tie. Right. Because it's like, you don't want it quite that curly, but you don't want it quite that beachy. It's something right. in between. And hair is like a tough language to speak. You know, a lot of times when you say, I want my hair straight, that could right. be like stick straight or just like straight with a little bit of vo volume. So, it is it is hard to translate, but that's kind of why we had lookbooks with so many different styles and colors and textures and all that good stuff. No, it's it's incredible. And so now you have products. So you have yes. 
hair dryer. We have, I think we have something like 82 wow. SKUs or something now. Wow. And yeah, we have uh, lots of lots of hot tools. We have a ton of wet products, um, brushes, And clips. available only in the stores? No, we're no. in um, Nordstrom, Ulta, okay. Sephora. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, and that is, that business is now, we started about four years ago. I mean, it's, um, I mean, you know, the product business is like has no, no limits. And we're really, the, the expansion has been pretty crazy and, and how fast it's growing. And I think the fact that we have established ourselves as the authority in the blowout space, it, you know, is really fueled, you know, so if you don't have a dry bar near you, you can get our products and we have tons of, we make tons of videos and all sorts of stuff to help you. If you don't have a dry bar near you, I have a book out that's like a how to and how to get all our, all our styles with what products and for different hair types. So, you know, we, we have become somewhat of the authority in just blowouts, which is all we're trying to do. You know, we're not trying to be everything to everybody. It's just about blowouts. Like how do I do my bangs? And so all of our products are, you know, are basically based on how to do it at home. Then what keeps you up at night at this point? <laughs> Oh man. Or do you go, I mean, you seem very kind of together and calm. Oh, so. thanks. Yeah. That's nice. I'm, I don't feel together okay. and calm. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the consistency and it's a lot of, um, it's a lot of people. It's it, what keeps me up at night is, is, you know, is that consistency from location to location and making sure that the customer service is where I want it to be because customer service is so near and dear to my heart. And with 3,000 employees, it's incredibly hard to keep it constantly up. You it know? was a big frustration for me, Ugh. especially when, you know, you grow and you're in thousands of doors it's, yeah. all over the world. It's hard. It's yeah. so hard. Yeah. You know, and make, so making sure the customer service is good, that, that the blowouts are great, you know, the shops are clean. Like, you know, those are probably the big yeah. things for me that keep me up at night. And, and those are the things I hear about. You know, I still get emails from clients who are like, I was in your shop or DMs now through Instagram because you can kind of reach anybody there. And I respond to all of that stuff because it's, and I want to know because I'm right, such a big believer in where there's smoke, there's fire. And if one person said it, 10 pe other people or 100 other people. Well, I'm very, very, very judgmental. And I am very, very Same. honest. I think maybe only once I put my hair in a ponytail after I left. Really? And only because it was in a rush and I couldn't ask them to redo it. Yeah. But I have always had a good experience. Oh, that's good. That's good Yeah, to no, hear. and it's always consistent. That's great. I mean, yeah. and I think that, you know, I, I, I like to think, obviously, because we've grown and, and have been, you know, knock on wood, so successful that I think that is generally yeah. how most people yeah. feel. But, you know, we, of course, mess up sometimes and we don't always get it right. But I'll, but I'll tell you, one of the things I've learned is like you can't always get everything right all the time, but you can make up for it. And that we have a huge customer service team for when it, we do get it wrong, we do mess up and someone was unhappy that we can get them back in, fix it, recover from it, you know, and be open to the feedback. And so how is it working with your brother and your husband? You know, it's it has its challenges, but I think ultimately I'm, you know, we all have such different skill sets and, you know, that it's it's always worked really well because, you know, it's like Michael has always been kind of the business side of things. Cameron is advertising and marketing and creative. And, and how brand. are they together? They're good. They're good. They're good. And then, you know, my focus has been like more the hair and the customer service inside the shop. So there, we all have such different skill sets so that we've always kind of let the other, you know, they always have like autonomy over whoever's area it is. And so that's why I think it works. And nobody's, there's not a lot of like stepping on each other's toes, even though we all talk about things all the time. It's, it's definitely, um, we all have our very unique skills. And I think that's why it works. And how much of your time is traveling? 
a lot of a my lot. time is traveling. Is that the hardest thing? About it's it? hard. It is a lot. And I think for me, I've been trying. I always think I'm like, no, I'm going to cut back. And then, I, and then I'm like, but here I am in New York and I haven't been home for almost a week. Um, but I, the first, I'd say I, I went to the first like 50 store openings and then I was like, I just can't go to everyone anymore. And so I started cutting back on that. But now, and as you know, like we do a lot with our with our retail partners like Sephora and Ulta and Nordstrom. We have also- I'll give you advice off camera. Yeah, that one. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm yeah. trying to navigate through all that and figure that out. So, you know, I am I have definitely pulled back in a lot of areas. Um, but I also love a lot of that too. So it's yeah. just figuring out the balance. Right. And mm-hmm. honestly, my advice is just make sure that I, I would do this every single year. I would go into the principal and I'd sit down the first day of school and I'd say, Okay, please give me the dates of everything. I yeah. want the school sing along, I want yeah. the camping and you trip. You schedule everything around and that. I scheduled it. Yeah. And in the beginning I was so terrified when I'd have to cancel something because some kids thing came up and as you know my kids got older and I realized it's really important for me to be there I disappointed people I you know I once canceled a fashion show the day before and you know the designer never hired me again but guess what I yeah kids are more important kids are more important well it's interesting because I I you know my kids have grown up probably like yours too in in dry bar and they you know they've seen us grow and they see they've seen the success and I feel like I have a very you know, open dialogue with my boys about what I do. And there are, there are a lot of conversations where I'll say to my kids, like they have something coming up at school and I'll say, is it important to you that I'm there? And sometimes they say yes. And sometimes they're like, nah, it's not that important, mom. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, okay. So, but I will too. I have been, I've done that too. I've canceled things or I've said, I just can't be there because there's something I need to do for my kids. But then I also have this thing where my, sometimes where I'm like, I got to be at my kid's thing for this. And then I'll talk to my son and he'll be like, no, that thing doesn't really matter if you go. And I'm like, okay, great. But it's, but sometimes it's more for you than for yeah. Him. True, you know, but so. I think it's the balance, you yeah. know. And I think I there is know, no balance. Yeah, I know. Yeah. There is no balance. Well, the ba- yeah. for me, you know, being being at the things that I that I feel like I need to be at or that they need me to be at. But it's yeah, it's like you never win. I talk about that all the time yeah. too. Like it's like some days you you win and sometimes you show up and it's good and sometimes you just fail and disappoint somebody. Well, it's funny. I guess you know, I left I left the brand that I founded two years ago. I sold it after four years, so I was an employee basically of another company. And when I left the brand and I talked to the kids and my kids were older and I kind of said, I'm sorry if I wasn't always here for you. Like, mom, you were at every field trip. Mom, you always did this. Mom, are you kidding? For someone that worked, you were, and I was like, I wish you would have told me while I was going through it, I had such mom guilt. Yeah. Do you suffer from mom guilt? Totally. And I think that, I don't think my kids would say I'm at everything because I'm not. And I also like didn't, I mean, if I'm being really honest, like I don't really love doing a lot of the stuff. I like doing the stuff that my kids are involved in, but I was, I'm not the PTA mom. And I just didn't, I don't have, I just don't love it. I mean, oh, being, I, I was never the PTA yeah, mom, but I, but I was sh- the class mom every year. Oh, never. And it was torture for me because a lot of the other moms were ex like, you know executives and now they're stay at home yeah and i just always felt like a loser i always felt like i was doing a bad job (laughs) i wanted to be involved i see i never Mm. really want to be involved Mm. i but i like to i like to show up and and be there for things but i didn't there's no chance i'm organizing i feel like i just could i don't have like i just could i know not so i so i have a little bit of guilt about that but i you know i'm also like and i have these conversations with my kids about like i need to do what makes me happy so i can be a better mom you know it's like i can't do everything just to make you happy it's like we, we got to like yeah, there's a give and not, take here and it's not just about your kids it's about your husband too yeah so when are you going home 
Um, I'm here for two more days and then I'm home on Thursday. So And then how long do you get to stay home? Uh, gosh, I have I do have a couple of things coming up, but I'm I'm trying. I'm trying I have you know, I'm I'm shortening my trips. You know, I actually right. have to come back to New York in a couple of weeks for something else and but I'm like in and out in like two and a half days and that's that's like th- right now I'm on a bit of a stretch of a little over a week away from home, which is like oh And and how much so of hard. your time is the business and how much is promoting the business? Like I'd say a lot of because the company has grown so much, we, we hired a professional CEO four years ago, John Hefner, and he's amazing. And we have this massive executive team that, you know, slowly but surely started doing all the things I used to do, my brother used to do. And now there's a lot of other people doing that stuff. So I, I'd say a lot of, a lot more of my job is promoting the business and being, doing things like this right, and, yeah. you know, doing things with our retail partners and kind of being out there as the face of the, of the brand and, you know, promoting it and all of that. So I'd say more of my time. Does anyone ever tell you to let go of some of the details? Oh gosh. Yeah. Are you kidding? I feel like I've had 8,000 discussions about letting go and letting, you know, all the really smart, amazing people we hired actually do their job. And that was a tough one for me. And my my advice, by the way, because people used to always tell me that, and now that I'm no longer with the brand, I realized what made the brand so successful. Was you. No, what, not just me, but was the details. Yeah. Were the details well, and the people that, I, my team that cared about the details. Yeah. Well, and that's, and I agree. And I think that's, I, I think it's interesting how I have more of a like peripheral view of it all now. And I, when I go into the stores, nobody sees the things that I see and nobody under, t- t- sees the details and the nitty gritty like I do. And that's, that's the kind of feedback that I give my team. But I think what's different now is like, you know, two years ago ish, I would go into the stores and I would, and I would like see things that drove me crazy, which you probably wouldn't notice. But to me, like drove me insane, like where like steam was coming out of my ears. And I used to get very mad and frustrated. Oh, the same way. I used to drive people crazy. I yeah. could see if there was an eyeshadow missing. Yeah. And so, but you know, I also realized that like I would throw everybody into a tizzy and we're this retail environment that, you know, I didn't, everybody would kind of I think freeze. we're the same person, yeah. by the way. But I, you know, it was a lot of, yeah. it was like, how do I, how do I get the that the information to the right person to make the to make the right changes versus just freaking out on everybody which you know is a lot of like it's learning it's called growing yes learning well and john and i had a lot of like therapy sessions over that about like there's got to be a better way to to get this information to the people who can make the change and john ever worked with the founder before yes and that's why we hired him because because he because when we were doing a ceo search i was like no 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 and there all these people weren't right but john had come from other founder-led organizations so he really understood that and he's you know and he really has coached me a lot in like how to deliver bad news and how to not like you know drive everybody crazy all the time which I think I've gotten a lot better at and also you know for even for my own like personal sanity like you know when I would walk in a store and things weren't the way I wanted them to be I would I would freak out like on the outside and on the inside and I'm like it's over like this we we suck. We failed, and now I realize that like nothing's ever going to be perfect right. all the time, or and why you have can't to keep trying. I mean, that's yeah. like why can you guys not just see this? It makes such common sense. Yeah, it's just yeah. it's hard, and when you you know when you have an organization that's as big as ours, yeah. as big as yours, it's just it's hard to get everything right all the time as much as you want it to be. You like want to clone yourself. So then, what do you do to de-stress? How do you kind of take it off? the ledge take yourself or or have you not gotten there yet no I have I definitely have and I think that's you know I've just I think it's over time and just kind of learning that it's like the business is actually going to be okay if 
even if everything is not 100% perfect all the time. I think I've, I've just kind of come to that realization through time, which I think has like been healthy for me. Um, and I think also just like, I hate to use the word detach, but like taking a step back and, and again, realizing that we have a lot of really smart, capable people and everyone's working really hard and we are, you know, we're doing the best we can and there's always more to do. But I think it's just, I think it's come with time and experience that I've gotten like a little more chill about everything, you know, and, and still you, you, that's the, that's the hard, that's the balance is like, you, you still want to be as passionate and make sure that things are still the way they should be, but you also have to be able to step back and So say, then what do you do for you? Um, like for, when you're not working, you're not with your kids. Yeah. I mean, if, I'm like you? a very like outdoor person. I live in LA now, which I lived in New York for my, all of my twenties and I loved it, but I really love LA. I'm always hiking. I work out a lot. I get massages. Like I'm, I'm big into self-care. Okay, I get, good. I feel like I get like a facial every week. I'm always trying like the new, there's so many like crazes in LA. Yeah. That Maybe are, you'll be the massage person. Like maybe. The, maybe the next one will be the massage, <laughs> you know, I do a bar. I don't know. We'll call it something. <laughs> I am. Uh, I, well, we are starting a new business, but oh, I, I can't, you can't, I can't tell me. Tell you'll tell you. me afterwards. I'll, you I'll after. give it myself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many, there's, I'm such a big, big believer in self-care and something that is interesting because I would say the first like three to four years, I didn't allow myself that, you know, I was like work, 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 kids, kids, kids. And I didn't allow myself that time that I needed and for myself. And and then I, about four years in, I was like, I have to, I'm, I don't have to be at the office at nine o'clock. I can actually go work out in the morning after I drop off my kids at school. And what's anybody going to do? You know? And I realized like I gave myself permission to do that. And that was very freeing for you me. You need it because you're also the face of the brand as well as yeah. working yeah. towards it. Yeah. I actually just told my assistant, Nothing before ten. Yeah. I want to oh, exercise every too. morning and nothing and before my 10. office is three minutes from my house That's now. Amazing. I, you know, we start yeah. I started a new company and it's all where it's in Montclair. <laughs> right by the photo studio. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um so it's really cool. So I want to ask you one more thing. If you could give advice to, to people out there, if there's one thing that you could tell people to do that would make the biggest change in some part of their life, just one thing, what would it be? In, in regards to business, in, no, anything, anything Health, in their wellness, life, family, business, anything, one thing. I, I think, honestly, I mean, it might sound kind of cliche, but I think it's like, follow your passion. I think that a lot of people don't do what they really love because of fear, because of money, because of advice from parents or loved ones. But I think that like, you know, to find true like happiness, which I, which I, to do something that you love, I think you really have to like look deep and see what it is that really makes you truly happy. I feel like life is too short to do something that isn't what you love. Okay. So find it and do it. Well, it's great advice. You've done amazing and I cannot wait to see what else you're going to do. <laughs> You'll see soon. Uh, well, thanks so much for coming thanks on for the show. Thanks for having me. It's so fun. I believe that Ali Webb is cool, down to earth, funny, so real and so normal doesn't really live up to what you would think of an entrepreneur. She just seems like this regular girl that you would want to be friends with. She is really smart, incredibly hardworking. The woman never stops. She is the mom of two kids and constantly inspiring women all over wherever she goes. Ali Webb, I think there's going to be other things besides Drybar in her future. Make sure you follow Ali on Instagram 
And also go to drybar.com and see where a dry bar is near you. Ali Webb, you are my hero. This is Long Story Short with Bobby Brown, a Gallery Media Group production.